welcome to this presentation of Bethel Family Church. We hope you enjoy listening and that it helps you to grow closer to Jesus. Awesome. Well, the last few weeks we have been talking about spiritual warfare and we've been talking about how to have victory in our lives and how to walk in the victory that Jesus has already won for us. And I hope that you've been, uh, that you feel like God's been speaking to you. I know a number of you have, have made comments to me during, over the last few weeks and said that was, you know, God was really speaking some things. So that, that's awesome. And, we, you know, we give uh, full credit to the Holy Spirit for uh, what He's doing in our lives and the work that He's doing. But we're going to continue um, talking. A few weeks ago, we talked about the Ephesians 6, putting on the armor of God. And we talked about some of the different aspects of the armor of God and the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness and the, the belt of truth and the shoes that come from the, the, the gospel. Um, and uh, we, I want to come back to that passage of Scripture, but I want to look particularly at the last verse, verse 18. Because one of the things that when we talk about spiritual warfare, it really is all about prayer. And, and being able to walk in victory, being able to, I guess, appropriate, being able to receive, being able to live in the victory that Jesus has won for us, uh, really has a foundation uh, in our prayer and in our relationship with God. So I want to talk a little bit about that this morning, what it means, what kind of prayer we're talking about, and, uh, and some things kind of related to that and how prayer helps us to have that kind of victory in our life. But before we do that, we should pray. So let's pray and ask God here this morning. Father God, we thank you uh, for the fun time that we've had this morning. Lord, we thank you for the excitement in the air that the kids bring. Um, Father, we thank you for uh, uh, the excitement that your spirit and your presence brings. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for the opportunity that we've had to worship you this morning and to declare how good you are to us and Lord we pray right now that as as we come to your word as we seek to understand your word as we look at this topic of prayer uh, and how to live a, a life of a prayer and connection with you in the spiritual realm Father we pray that you would help us to have revelation and understanding of the truth of that this morning Lord, we pray that you would be unlocking things, that you would be providing keys for us this morning that, that would help lead to breakthroughs in our life, in areas that we've been struggling, areas that we feel like maybe haven't been where we want to or, or areas that have been tough for us. God, I pray that you would help us to uh, discover some things this morning that would help us to break through in our relationship with you. Father, we just, we just commit this time. We ask that you would be speaking into our hearts and into our minds, in Jesus' name. Amen. So Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18, so sort of comes on the end of the, the, the spiritual armor, the armor of God, and it says this, it says, Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. 
And we've been talking a lot about how the, the war that we're involved in and the war that the Bible talks about Christians being involved in is not a physical one, it's not against people, it's not a, not a battle of a willpower, it's not a battle of circumstances, our real battles, our real wrestles are spiritual ones. And, and the biggest problems that we face in life are spiritual ones, but that God has given us as believers, as Christians, spiritual weapons to fight a spiritual war. The weapons that we have are spiritual and, and one of the key things that we have that kind of brings it all together, that ties it all together, is prayer. This is one of the, the, the chief things that we need to understand, that we need to utilize and put into practice in our life, is this kind of connection with God. And do you see the importance, like Paul talks about putting on the, the armor of God, but then when he talks about prayer, can you, do you see the, the kind of language that he's using, the, the kind of universal sort of words when he says, pray in the Spirit at what time? All times. And on what occasions? Every occasion. He says there does not exist an occasion or a time in your life when you do not need prayer. He says every, every time, every occasion, he says stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for which believers? All believers. Where? Everywhere. So there's this kind of language where Paul is saying, like, prayer is so important. Prayer ought to be so uh, tied into the foundation and, and so fundamental to our life in Christ that there's kind of this, like, all the time, everywhere, in every circumstance. Now, you, you might be sitting there and going, well, that's not very practical, Paul. Come on, we can't be saying prayers like 24 hours a day. We've got to sleep as well. Like, you know, sometimes there are times when you're having a really deep conversation or, you know, you're, you're switching off and you're relaxing or you're, you're at work and you can't just be like, like praying all the time. Have you ever read this verse and kind of thought those kind of thoughts? It's okay. It, you don't have to admit it. I know it's probably a fairly good, like, I'm pretty sure... Most of us kind of think along some of those lines. But we're going to talk a little bit about what, what that kind of means because there's, it's not necessarily, uh, prayer is not necessarily about what you say um, or it's not about special formulas. It's not about kind of doing a thing to sort of check off, but it's about connection to God. And what Paul is saying is that in every moment of your life, you need to be connected to God. And prayer is the avenue, prayer is the means, prayer is the tool which God has given us and God has ordained by which we stay connected to Him. But He gets personal with this kind of explanation and this exhortation to prayer. And He takes it this little bit further and kind of is almost like stating that, that the freedom to be able to, for, for Him to preach the gospel kind of is dependent upon prayer and he says pray for me uh, give me uh, ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike he says I'm in chains now still preaching this message as God's ambassador so pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should so God has chosen prayer as this means of communication between us and heaven. You know, it's really important that we pray for one another, but we also pray for things like what Paul says here. 
as, as Christians, part of what we're here for and part of our mandate as a church is to share the gospel. When Jesus left his disciples, he said, now go into all the world, preach the gospel to everybody. Um, he didn't say everybody would listen or everybody would receive or everybody would take it on, but he said, tell everybody, don't let anybody miss out on the opportunity. And this is still God's mandate for us today to be sharing the gospel with everybody so that nobody misses out on this opportunity to be part of the family of God. He says, and help them, like train them up, um, you know, help them to discover what it means as we go along. We'd be discipled and we learn and we, we discover this relationship with God. But he says, like, we, we need prayer. I need, I need to pray for this. You need to pray for this. If we want our church to continue to grow, then we need to be a church that is sharing the gospel, that is inviting people into this relationship with Jesus. Now, inviting people to church is great, but inviting them into a relationship with Jesus is way better, <laughs> isn't it? You know, so God wants to be in communication with us, in connection with us, because there is so many things that we can't do by ourselves. There are so many things that God's called us to do, and you might have discovered this. You might have, you know, had moments in your life where you've tried to uh, make all the right decisions, and you've gone, you know, I want to be a really good Christian. I'm going to read my Bible and I'm going to get up early and I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to pray and I'm going to, you know, tell people about Jesus and I'm going to, um, you know, stop doing all the things that I'm not supposed to do and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And when we try to do those kind of things under our own steam, what do we find? We fail. We fail here. And then we fail there and then we, you know, we drop the ball in that area and pretty soon, you know, like we're back to where we started, if not even worse sometimes. <laughs> and, and so we are, we are supposed to have this kind of connection with God that helps to keep us moving forward, that helps to keep us growing, that helps to uh, enable us to do the kinds of things that He wants us to do. Jesus tells us to do things like praying for the sick. You know, and, and, and you know, that, this is an amazing thing that as Christians, you know, we can pray for sick people and at times there are amazing answers to prayer where pain disappears and sickness disappears and, and, and all kinds of amazing medical miracles that can happen. That's not us, is it? That, that's God doing that. One of, the, one of the reasons why prayer is so important is that it keeps that connection between us and God. Prayer is, prayer is so much more than just kind of, um, you know, saying grace before you eat. <laughs> you know, prayer is so much more than just bringing God a list of stuff that we'd like. Prayer is so much more than just talking about our problems and hoping that somebody up there is listening. Prayer is designed to be this kind of ongoing, continual, um, you know, if, if, here's one of the things, I remember John Bevere talking about this concept and he said if God, uh, he kind of brought his attention to this idea and he said if God tells us that we ought to have a life where we pray without ceasing, where we pray continuously, in 1 Thessalonians 5 uh, verse 17, if you want to look that up or if you're taking notes, it says pray without ceasing. 
If God is urging us, and if that's one of His instructions to us, it must mean that God wants to have connection with us all the time. Because prayer is not, a, not just a one-way thing. Prayer is a, uh, like a dialogue. It's a conversation. It's talking and connecting and relating with God. God has ordained that certain things happen as a result of prayer. And we're going to look at some scriptures. But one of the, one of the weird things is that prayer often kind of goes against, or it's often one of those things that it kind of almost, in some ways, I don't know if you can relate to this, but it almost seems contrary to what we feel like we want to do. So many times, particularly when, we've, when we're struggling with something, when we're having issues or challenges or, you know, we, we, need, we have a need or something, we want to be able to do something about that, don't we? We want to be able to fix that problem, we want to be able to solve that crisis, we want to be able to, you know, find the, the meaning of the need. And often, the, the thing about prayer is that it almost goes against what seems to make sense to our brain because at times, it feels like we're not doing anything. At times, prayer feels like, like it, we're, we're kind of just sitting back and we're just handing everything over and asking God to kind of solve all of our problems. It seems weak, doesn't it? And when we, come, we talk about spiritual warfare and we talk about spiritual battles, sometimes we're far more inclined to want to, you know, pick up our weapons and fight stuff and, and, and you know, de- declare stuff and, and defeat something. And, you know, and sometimes it's really hard to, to let God um, be in charge. When, when we've been wronged or hurt, sometimes it's really hard to sit back and say, all right, God, I'm trusting you to take care of this one. Because what do we want to do? want to get justice. <laughs> we want to go out and we want to make sure that justice is served. We, mean, we need to make sure that person knows what they did and, you know, and wring an apology out of them, you know, by hook or by crook, you know. And sometimes prayer kind of feels like, it, it, like we're champing at the bit to do something about this problem and, and prayer, it's like prayer is, is holding us back sometimes. Have you ever felt that in some situations? But prayer is the weapon of God's choice. I'm going to talk a little bit more about some of the reasons. Um, and here's, I, here's the thing, I guess, that sometimes, even though it doesn't make sense, sometimes the things that don't make sense with God are the things that are the most effective. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27 says, God chose things that the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise. And He chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. Sometimes that applies to to people. You know, we look at the people that God chooses sometimes and you think they're probably the, the, the least qualified and the least skilled and, you know, and yet God does amazing things through those people. But it also applies, I think, in this situation where, you know, God takes things that, you know, uh, uh, Paul, I think it is, applies this to the gospel. He says that the gospel seems like foolishness to people who think that they're wise. But prayer is God's chosen pathway to breakthroughs in our life. 
prayer is the way that God brings breakthrough in our life. I don't know if you're here this morning and there are areas of your life where you feel like something needs to change. Prayer is one of the ways that God wants to break through and bring that change into your life. I don't know, look at a couple of passages of Scripture now that talk about some of the, the effectiveness and some of the things about prayer. The first is from uh, Daniel chapter 10. And you might remember Daniel, most of us know Daniel from the whole, like Daniel in the lion's den kind of thing when he was thrown into the, the, the pit with hungry lions ready to, to rip him apart for refusing to stop praying to God. Uh, and, and Daniel did some amazing things, but this, this passage of Scripture in chapter 10, it's a little bit later in life, and, and the Israelites are still in captivity, and Daniel begins to pray and to seek God for a word about what's going to happen for the, the future of his people, for, for Israel. Uh, and uh, in verse 12, we, we read this. Uh, so he, he's praying and he's waiting on God, he's, he's praying... Um, for, for 21 days and then he has this amazing vision where this kind of angelic being appears to him and nobody else around him can see it but uh, he, he says that they're all uh, terrified and run away and hide but they don't see the person that he sees which is really interesting um, but the angel says to Daniel he says don't be afraid since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God your request has been heard in heaven I have come in answer to your prayer, but for 21 days the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia has blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now I am here to explain what will happen to your people in the future, for this vision concerns a time yet to come. And the angel goes on to give uh, Daniel a, a prophetic picture uh, which is one of the most accurate uh, prophecies throughout all of Scripture, the most kind of specific about uh, kings and kingdoms and um, downfalls of some and, and uprisings of other kingdoms in Persia, Greece and, and all around the world. But there's, there's a really interesting kind of experience that when that the angel says to Daniel, he says, your prayer, when you began to pray, God heard it in heaven on what day? Day one. And he says, and the, the plan was put into motion, the response was sent out to your prayer on day one. Now, did Daniel get his answer on day one? No, he didn't, did he? But there was this, you know, that you got to admire the persistence of Daniel and that attitude. And I think sometimes the, the reason that we, we miss the, some of the answers to our prayers is because we kind of we give up praying on day 20 or on day 16 or on day 12 or sometimes on day 2. <laughs> but Daniel has this persistence where he's like, I'm, I'm praying and I'm seeking God and I'm waiting. How, how long do, do, are we prepared to pray when we really need answers from God? We really need to know, you know what, what God wants for us. Now, one of the things that we need to be mindful of too, you know, are, are we prepared to pray until we receive the answer? And I don't necessarily mean the answer that we want. 
because sometimes you know we we think we're being all spiritual and praying and being persistent and what we're really doing is digging in our heels and refusing to listen to the answer that God's given because it wasn't the one we wanted so I'm not talking about that but you know are we prepared to be persistent in prayer until we hear God's answer we see prayer so prevalent throughout the life of Jesus don't we? but there's this interesting I want to read this just look at this passage of uh, scripture in Mark chapter 9 together and and you might remember the story um, that Jesus has just come down from his mountaintop transfiguration experience and he comes down and the disciples are, are arguing and fighting with some Pharisees and Jesus is like what's going on and uh and he says, and, and we read this in verse 17, one of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground and he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. Can you imagine how distressing and upsetting that is for a parent to have gone through that with their child? he goes on he says so i asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit but they couldn't do it it's it's interesting um that the disciples were not the ones to come and and bring this to jesus <laughs> do you notice that <laughs> they, they weren't coming to jesus and saying hey jesus like here's this problem we, you know we tried to pray for this this kid and it didn't work you know and i, I mean you know we we give them a little bit of grace this was still pretty new to them but you know there are moments when they come back and they're like yeah all the demons are submitting to us but you know in this one they're just keeping quiet about this one <laughs> but the dad like he's desperate he, he he loves his kid you know he loves his son and and he wants something and he thinks you know i'm going to come to jesus i'm not giving up As, and and so jesus heals uh this son he casts out this unclean spirit and and the boy is restored and and made right and the, so the disciples they they talked to jesus and when Je it says when jesus was alone in the house in verse 28 with his disciples they asked him why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit jesus replied this kind can be cast out only by prayer some translations say by prayer and fasting but i think that the point is kind of the same uh what i what i believe jesus is saying here is that it's like there, there's no kind of formula for bringing freedom to people there's no kind of special words that you can say that can you know deliver someone from a, a demonic spirit or demonic oppression what is the most important thing is your connection to god what is the most important thing is that you are listening to that voice of the Holy Spirit, that you are being led by the Holy Spirit, that you are receiving that kind of wisdom and, and direction as to how to address uh, a particular thing, that you are, you are tapped into the source of power and that it is God working through you and not something where you think you've got it figured out how to deal with demonic spirits. All right. When we talk about prayer... Prayer is not, like I said before, prayer is not about bringing our list. It's not about a formula. It's not about ticking off the boxes. To, that we, you know, we've said this, yet we prayed for that, da-da-da, done my morning prayers, now I'm good for the rest of the day. 
Prayer is about this connection to God. When we, when we ran the um, uh, Australian Prayer Network uh, prayer school when they were here, they talked about prayer as being having three components. Prayer is, number one, about talking to God, and usually we're pretty, we're pretty switched on to that, right? We usually understand that prayer is about talking to God. Prayer Number two, prayer is also about listening to God. And number three, prayer is about doing what God says. Some of you might remember that. But it's this kind of, th- this connection, this relationship, this conversation where, where, where we're in relationship with Jesus. All right, one more story in, uh, in Acts. This is, a, this is one of my favorite stories in, uh, in the book of Acts. It is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that says something about my sense of humour, but as I, when I tell you, when I explain why I think this funny, I'm sure that you will agree with me, because my sense of humour is objectively great. <laughs> so Acts chapter 12, uh, verses 4 and 5, I'm just going to pick up a little bit. This is a story about Peter, who's been arrested, has been thrown in jail. It says, uh, so this is what we're talking about here. It says, then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each, 16 guards to arrest Peter because he's such a dangerous guy. Right? Uh, Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover, but while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. Now, in human terms, when you've got 16 trained soldiers guarding you, not only that, but they've locked you in kind of, you know, the, uh, if this was in Shrek, it'd be the, you know, the tallest tower in the, the highest room and the tallest tower at the top, you know, that sort of thing. But so this, this is like the, the deepest kind of dungeon, the most secure part of the prison that they go and lock this guy up um, because he's, he's preaching the gospel, right? And so the church begins to pray. The church is like, there's nothing else that we can do, all right? And so they start to pray. It says, it didn't just say that they said a prayer and got on with their life and hoped for the best. It says, they began to earnestly pray for Him. This was their, their, their pastor. I hope that you guys would do the same if I'm ever arrested and locked up in prison. I hope that there'd be a prayer meeting organized and, and you'd be um, keeping me there. So here's, here's this amazing thing. In the middle of the night, there's, there's like this, this angel comes, breaks the place open and, and Peter's like standing there going, hang on a minute, what just happened? Like he can barely even believe what's happened but the guards are all unconscious, like his chains are, uh, are broken off, the doors are flung open and, and he just kind of strolls out of the place. Uh, it's, it's pretty cool. <laughs> He can, he, like I said, like he's, he's, he can barely even uh, believe himself what's going on. And so he knows that these guys are praying for him, and so he goes to the church, right? He knocks on the door, knock, knock, knock. Hey, it's me, Peter. You know, I'm, I'm out of prison. And the, the girl at the door just about answers the door. All the, all the spiritual people are off. They're, they're really intense in their prayer meeting. And so the servant girl comes and opens the door and, and she just about falls over, can't believe what she's seeing, forgets to open the door. <laughs> Leaves Peter out there standing on the doorstep, um, hello, uh, you know, and she goes off and tells everybody else and, and she's like, oh, it's Peter, Peter's here. And they're like, don't be silly, Peter's in prison. 
Peter can't be here. He's locked up. He's under guard. It's not Peter. It must be, they actually say, it must be his ghost. Like, like that's more logical somehow. Uh, but the very, the, the very thing that they're praying for happens and it catches them completely by surprise. But, you know, sometimes we're a little bit like that too, aren't we? We pray for things, but sometimes, you know, we don't always necessarily know how God's going to... I don't know what they were expecting. I don't know what they were, were hoping for. Maybe they'd just be hoping that, that actually he'd actually get a fair trial and he'd be, you know, declared innocent of the charges and be released or something maybe, you know, through those... And that, that's not an unreasonable thing to think. But, you know, God just did this amazing thing, absolute miracle, blew them all away... <laughs> they were unprepared for it. Obviously, you don't think that story is as funny as what I do, but that's okay. I just, I, you know, you get the mental image of Peter standing there on the doorstep, like, you know, don't you? He's like knocking and I think you forgot something. Anyway, so here's the thing: when when you are when when you are stuck, when stuff isn't going right when maybe maybe it's circumstances maybe it's just in your spiritual life there's maybe you're at a, a point where you're at this spiritual standstill and you need breakthrough you need change you need something to happen prayer brings breakthrough and this kind of connection with god is what will bring change what will bring breakthrough in your relationship with god uh and and in your circumstances so prayer brings breakthrough. One of the things that prayer also does is that prayer can be our safeguard. Prayer can be our defense. Now, I was in bed the other night trying to go to sleep and this this little, you know, sometimes I get these little downloads, all right? And there was just these thoughts that popped into my head and I thought, oh yeah, that's a really interesting thought. Maybe I'll have to work out where I'm going to use that somewhere, but I've already got, you know, sermon topic picked for this week and all the rest of it. Um, and as I sat down to actually prepare for this morning, I thought, you know what, that actually fits really well. Um, so I'm going to share that with you now. But it was about the story of Nehemiah. Remember the story of Nehemiah? Uh, and he's, he's there in... Um, Israel's in captivity, but the, the king's kind of being... Uh, allowing them to come back and to start rebuilding Jerusalem. And Nehemiah comes back. He's a, he's a fairly... Uh, influential person we don't know exactly but he's a, a governor or a, a prince a, a fairly um is, is often the the suggested um place for nehemiah but he's he's some sort of governing sort of person right and he comes back and he begins to see the the devastation that's taken place in jerusalem and he gets this real heart to rebuild this this god's temple and and the wall around the city so that there's they have a defense against the the enemies that are in outlying regions against wild animals coming in and wandering through the city and all that kind of thing so um, he begins to uh, stir up the people to rebuild the wall around jerusalem and re-establish it uh, as a home for god's people and and i was brought to mind you know that uh, you can read about this in uh, particularly around Nehemiah sort of chapter 3 and 4 and we've read some of these before and it, for a lot of it as you as you know if you go away and read it you'll see there's a whole lot of stuff about uh, with, with weird names so and so did this and it was this person and his son of 
you know, who do you call it and what's his name and, you know, Bob's your uncle and, and all these kind of, um, I don't know, I'm not going to go into it too much, but there was, there was a few things that stood out to me and, and God really showed me how this kind of relates a little bit to, um, to prayer, to building up a wall of prayer, just like the, the people built a wall. Um, the first, that it was a job for everybody. And as you read through uh, Nehemiah, you see that it wasn't just the carpenters and the stonemasons and the, you know, the, the expert kind of guys with building experience that were involved in this job. It was everybody. And there's a, there's a few, like it mentions, specifically it mentions goldsmiths. Now you've got to wonder how much uh, experience a goldsmith has had in, in building brick walls. Right? It, you know, making jewellery is not that similar in my opinion at least, um, it, it mentions guys who were makers of perfumes, all right? You think mixing stuff together to make things smell nice, not really a very valuable skill when it comes to building a wall around a city, all right? Unless you want your wall to smell nice, uh, in which case he's your go-to man. But it was like, it was, it's rich and poor, like it was the, the leaders and the everyday man, it was the young and it was old. There's like guys that are mentioned are working alongside their grandchildren, you know, even women are mentioned as being part of, you know, uh, specifically mentioned a guy and his daughters who were there kind of building the wall. So this was something for everybody. Everybody was involved in building this wall. But here's, here's kind of, so Nehemiah and the wall, and I've got kind of three things. Number one, it, it talks about uh, many of them who built near their house or directly across from their house or the section of the wall that was next to their house. Now, first and foremost, these guys were building this defensive wall that would protect them and their families. So they, they were motivated. Over and over again, it talks about how enthusiastically they build and how passionately and how zealously and, and how you know, fierce in their determination they were to build this wall. And, and he makes this statement about how quickly it was done because everybody worked with such determination, enthusiasm and passion. And I think part of that is because they knew that it benefited them, it benefited their families. This was the protection. If an enemy came in, they wanted their families to be protected. You know, um, and secondly, they built for their neighbours. You know, a, a section of wall outside my house is not very much good if there's no wall either side. <laughs> you know, the wall kind of needs to go all the way around the city, doesn't it? And so it was very much this spirit of cooperation where I'm building here, my neighbor's building there, you know, so-and-so's building down there, so-and-so's, and we're this all kind of working together. I'm doing my bit not only because it benefits me, because, but because I'm part of this, this team that's kind of gathered around here. But thirdly, they also built for those who are still to come. Not everybody had yet, only, a, only a, a limited number of people had yet returned to the city. And many were still in captivity uh, and had not yet come back. And so they knew that establishing and building this wall would open the way for others to come back and, and be safe within the city, that this would be a home. And God began to show me that, that this is a little bit like, for, for us as a church family, prayer can become the defensive wall around our church family. And, and as we pray, and as we begin to, the, to build this kind of prayer into our life, this kind of connection with God, this, this conversation, this dialogue, this relationship with God, 
first and foremost, we do it for ourselves. We do it for us and for our family. And I encourage you to pray for, to, for God to work in your life. I pray for God. To, I encourage you to pray God's blessing over your home, over your family, over your children, over your spouse. Pray for them. Pray that God will protect them because they're, they're, we, we are in this spiritual battle. And sometimes, you know, whether we're ready for it or not, whether we're prepared for it or not, sometimes um, stuff comes and stuff happens. Um, you know, we need to be ready. Uh, and if we've got this kind of defense around us, you know, of, of prayer, it gives us a great kind of foothold establishing to help um, shield us from a lot of the stuff that happens. But we pray not just for ourselves and for our family. I want to encourage you to also pray for your brothers and sisters that are here. When we pray for, I mean, it's, it's, it's fantastic to pray for our neighbours in terms of like our literal neighbours, those who live in the houses on our street and that sort of thing. But in, in this case, I, I felt like God was talking about this in the sense of our church family, our wider church family. You know, have a look around. Now, these are the people that are your church family. I encourage you to pray for them. I, I don't care if you know their names or not. Pray for them anyway. <laughs> Sometimes I, I, I used, uh, at times, I'll, you know, grab out our, our fellowship list, our, our church directory type thing, and I'll go through and I'll pray for everybody who's in there. And even like lots of other people that aren't, because we only update it every now and again. And <laughs> Some of you aren't in there yet, but that's all right. Um, but I'll, I'll go through and I'll, I'll pray for everybody that's part of our church family. And I don't know necessarily what things you're going through and you're not going to know necessarily what things other people are dealing with and going through, but pray for them anyway, God knows. But as we stand together, as we begin to build this, this wall of prayer around our church, we get stronger and we get enabled and we get more capable of, of dealing with whatever it is that the enemy wants to throw at us as a church. All right, and thirdly, pray for those who haven't yet come in. Pray for those who maybe don't know God yet. Maybe pray for those who uh, are kind of prodigals and, and they, they know God, but they're not walking with God right now and they're, they're not sort of connected into church right now. Pray for those that are going to come in in the, the weeks and months and years ahead of us. Pray for them. You don't know who they are. I don't know who they are. God knows who they are. But, but pray over them. Pray that God will lead them. Pray that God will draw them in. Pray that God will plant them and establish them when they get here. You know, I think this is going to be a, a, a key part of how we grow as a church and, and as we begin to minister to more people, that this is going to be a, a, a really important thing is, is how we build this kind of defensive wall of prayer around our family because you know exactly what happens don't you whenever you start to do things for God as a church you meet resistance you meet opposition if you're doing nothing then the enemy doesn't have to give you much attention because <laughs> you're doing nothing when you start to take ground for Jesus when you start to um, set people free from the power of the enemy then we meet resistance. And if we can establish this kind of prayer foundation, this prayer defense, this prayer wall around us, praying for ourselves and our families, praying for our, 
uh, brothers and sisters that are part of our church family and praying for those who are going to come in in the future. I think that's going to be a great start for us. One of the questions that people often ask is, why is prayer so important? Can't God just kind of do stuff anyway? Why does God need to wait for us to ask for stuff? <laughs> you know, can't, can't God bring people in? Can't God protect us? Can't God answer our prayers? Doesn't He know what we need before we ask? And the answer is yes, He can. God is, God is sovereign. God is powerful. God is, does know our needs. And He can meet those. But here's the thing, like, prayer is the means that He has chosen to begin His work. I think, uh, the, I th for me, there's a couple of reasons that really stand out about why I think God chooses to do things this way. The first is that prayer requires faith. Prayer requires faith. Without faith, we don't pray because we don't believe anything will happen. If we are praying and if we are talking to God and we are asking God to answer some kind of prayer, then there's at least some sort of faith at work there in us, isn't there? Hebrews 11 says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. And prayer, it, it demands that we have at least some small measure of faith, doesn't it? Second thing I think is that uh, the reason that God works when we pray is because it connects us to Him as our source. It reminds us, it keeps us in the position of remembering that it is God's power at work through us by which we have victory, not our power, not our wisdom, not our success, but God's. That we're dependent on Him continuously and that as, as we come to God and as we acknowledge His places as the giver, as we acknowledge Him as the one who changes things and not me, then we, we submit ourselves anew to the one who's in charge. We submit ourselves and we say, God, you're in charge. I can't do this without you and I need you. And that attitude that we have before God, that, that, that submission that we have before God is powerful. And God responds to that kind of faith and that kind of humility that we have when we surrender to God. And so I encourage you to keep on praying over the needs that you have in your life, the spiritual struggles, the, the circumstances that you're dealing with. But I want to encourage you to remember two things as we pray. Prayer is God's chosen pathway to breakthrough. If you need breakthrough, prayer is the answer. Be persistent and keep pressing in and waiting for God to bring that breakthrough in your life. And number two, I want you to remember this. God doesn't always answer prayer by changing your circumstances. Sometimes God answers prayer by changing you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this amazing weapon of prayer that you have given us to, to uh, connect us to you. Lord, we thank you for the power that prayer has in our life. That as we connect into to, to your power and we connect into your spirit and as we talk with you and as we share the things that we're wrestling with and going through as, as you are a counselor, but God, as, as, as you 
you, you lead us and you speak to us and you guide us and as we step out in, in obedience to you. Lord, we thank you for the way that that changes things in our life. Lord, sometimes you change our circumstances. God, sometimes you change us. But God, you, you always know what we need and you always know what's right. Father, we thank you that we can pray with confidence in knowing that you hear. Father, we thank you that we can pray and know that you see the struggles that we're going through. Lord, for each one of us here right now, you know the things that we're dealing with. You know the things that are happening in our life that are hard right now. Lord, you know the, the relationships where there are struggles and difficulties. Lord, you know those who are, who are battling with addictions. Lord, you know those who are struggling financially. Lord, you know those that are, are dealing with stressful situations at work. Lord, you know those that are are wrestling with illness, that are praying for healing and restoration. Lord, right now we ask for your answers. Encourage you right now, just as we're praying, just you begin to, to, to think about what it is that you need a breakthrough for in your life. What do you need? Do you need provision? Do you need healing? What area of your life do you need that breakthrough this morning? Just right now in, in your mind and in your heart, I encourage you to begin to cry out to God for that. Say, God, I need an answer. God, I need a breakthrough in this area of my life. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would help us to, to, to have that wisdom, I guess, to recognize sometimes the things in our life that need to change, some of the areas where we've believed a lie where we've been caught in a pattern of thinking that is that is destructive or unhelpful to us Lord we pray that you would bring your truth into that situation right now Father God I pray that you would be identifying some of those lies that we've believed in people here this morning Father, we thank you that you are all about setting us free. You love to set people free. You love to forgive. You love to restore. You love to heal. You love to make whole. And Lord, for those here this morning that are reaching out to you, I pray that you would answer those prayers right now. And we thank you that you hear 
from heaven and God you are putting responses in motion right now to begin to see answers to those prayers Father I pray that you would give us that that persistence to continue to pray continue to press in continue to seek those answers from you until they come Lord Jesus we thank you too for the way that prayer can become a defense around our church Father God to, to keep the enemy out of our family Father but help us to be mindful this week of, of praying over our, our families praying over our church and praying for those who are yet to come we thank you that you are our good Father who loves us who watches out for us who wants to bless us who is for us and not against us Lord we want to be people of prayer we want to be people who are connected to you help us to do that help us to grow in that we pray in Jesus name Amen or to listen to other podcasts, head to our website at BethelCRC.org.au or check out Bethel Family Church on Facebook.